0: Welcome to The Pick List, the podcast for curious food industry minds. I'm Julia Glotz, a writer, editor, and consultant specializing in food and drink. Every week, I'm joined by an expert guest to discuss the news, trends, and developments shaping food and grocery retail right now. You'll get a personal perspective on how business leaders and leading thinkers from different parts of our industry are making sense of the big issues. My guests will also share what's on their personal reading list, bringing you a curated selection of thought-provoking articles from the trade press, national media and other titles. You can find links to all the articles and suggestions for further reading in the episode show notes and also on thepicklist.co.uk. Now let's start the show. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of The Picklist. I hope you're having a good week. This is the final episode before the podcast takes a Christmas break and I'm joined by a fantastic guest this week, Jason Geary, a fourth generation baker and master baker and executive director at Geary's Bakeries. Jason is doing some really innovative work at Geary's, particularly with his brand, Jason's Sourdough, which is trying to make better bread more accessible to a wider range of people through the supermarkets. So Jason tells me how he wants to change the way Brits think about bread, and particularly why we shouldn't just think of it as a carrier for filling. We also talk about key NPD trends for 2022 in bakery, and Jason shares how he has been navigating the impact of soaring prices, particularly wheat prices, in his business. So that's coming up in a moment, but first let me bring you up to speed with some of the big food and grocery retail stories this week. Sainsbury's has asked staff to delay Christmas parties until the new year, amid the growing spread of the Omicron variant. This would help protect food supply chains, the retailer said, with CEO Simon Roberts adding he would ensure no one would be out of pocket as a result of the decision. Tesco has managed to stave off strike action by 1,200 depot staff in the run-up to Christmas, after agreeing to a 5.5% rise in pay. The Unite union called off the strike in response to the new pay offer, but negotiations with shop workers union Asda will continue. Asda is also facing strike action after the GMB union said it was launching a consultative ballot over what it described as Asda's failure to give staff a meaningful pay offer. That ballot won't close until the 20th of December though, so even if strikes do go ahead, they are unlikely to start before the new year. The cost of Christmas dinner will be more than 3% higher this year, new figures from Kantar show, driven by an increase in the price of frozen turkey, traditional puddings and sprouts. The price of frozen turkey alone is up 7% year on year, according to Kantar, due to increased costs for labour and feed. Booths is back in the black for the first time since 2015, thanks to a boom in trade due to Covid. It reported pre-tax profits of 1.9 million for the year to March 2021, up from a loss of 4.1 million the previous year. Sales also soared to a record 284.1 million pounds as shoppers bought more food to eat at home during the pandemic. Booths also confirmed it would not be repaying business rates relief it received during COVID. The Food Standards Agency has launched a consultation on the future of may-contain allergen labelling. It said consumers often found precautionary labelling confusing, so it wanted to explore how the system could be overhauled to make it easier to understand and trust. Sausage brand Heck has said it's in talks with startup Ivy Farm Technologies over a potential partnership to make sausages from lab-grown meat. Founder Jamie Keeble said talks were at an early stage and it would likely take five years before a potential range would be commercially viable. Finally, Marks & Spencer has launched what it describes as the world's first data science and AI academy in grocery. It's worked with education provider Cambridge Spark to create an advanced 15-month course for 10 of its staff – which will cover subjects such as modelling, machine learning, automation, and data driven AI solutions. These are some of the big stories in food and grocery retail this week. You can find links to everything I mentioned in the show notes and also on the picklist.co.uk. And now, here's my conversation with Jason Geary. Jason, welcome to the picklist. Thank you for being my guest.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me, sir.
0: Now, you are a fourth generation baker and your master baker and executive director at Geary's Bakery, which is one of the UK's largest independent craft bakeries. You are also the Jason in Jason's Sourdough, which is a branded range you launched in March 2020, which aims to make, quote unquote, proper bread accessible to more people. And you're now listed in lots of major retailers, including Tesco, Asda, Waitrose, and M&S. On your website, you say your purpose as a business is to reimagine the way the UK thinks about bread. What exactly does that mean to you?
1: You can look at bread as a single word, and bread is bread, and it's just there. And you have a bit of toast with it, you make sandwiches with it, uh, and that's it. I think for a long while now, bread has just been the carrier. If you have a sandwich, it's all about the filling. What we're trying to do as a business is actually change people's perception about what bread is about so the the trends at the minute is all about long fermentation sourdough different types of flavors of bread so that's what we're trying to do is is just change people's conception what bread's for how you can have it that actually you you can buy some really really good quality sourdough bread or long fermentation bread and you can use that for your toast in the morning. You can use it for sandwiches at dinner. And also you can make bruschetta from it at night or have it with your pasta. So it's, it's just trying to get multi-purposes uses for, for what bread's about. So that's kind of what uh, yeah, Jason's sourdough about. We're on like a, a bit of a crusade to, uh, to to get bread out there. And actually, uh, it, bread sometimes gets a bit of bad publicity, about carbohydrates and uh, yeah you need to cut all carbohydrates out but I think a lot of the time it's about what you actually put on on your bread and what type of bread that you eat so so yeah that's basically what Jason's is all about.
0: Fantastic and just tell us a little bit more about the Jason's range how big is the range and what types of products are part of it?
1: Well we've got we, we started off about uh a year and a half ago to redevelop the brand because we lost the brand so we my passion is uh good quality food uh, sourdough I do sourdough baking at home um so it was kind of about bringing sourdough back to supermarkets the masses making it more readily accessible to people so so currently we've got uh, several products we've got a uh a standard white one, which is called a great white. Uh, all of these products are made with no yeast, fermented over uh, many hours to, to give that unique flavor. So we've got the great white, we've got a majestic, malted, a sprouted spelt one. Then we've got one called a twisted olive and basil range, which is actually taking two doughs. So we make a two different doughs, then we blend them together in the mixer. So you get almost like this twisting of dough, uh, almost like a marble twisting. So you get different flavors there. Um, then, two of the lines that we've got, which are called the Chia Batting range. We, th- these were the first two products that we launched the brand with. And that happened basically from a mistake when we were actually doing some MPD work. Uh, Oh, I know. I'm I'm fascinated. Well, yeah, we were trying to create one product uh, and the fermentation process didn't go quite right. And we actually got a slightly different texture to the product. And the guy that I was doing the MPD with, which uh, is a guy called Mo Keller, who uh, is actually an artisanal baker from France. He just came out. it's, It's like chia batting in a tin. And we then said, oh, we should call it Chia Batin. And, and, and that's how the first two products for Jason's sourdough came about. But when we actually obviously first came across it, that was a mistake. Trying to replicate it, to make sure uh, we could actually do it, was actually not easy. And it took us a few weeks to actually re- recreate this mistake so we could consistently produce it in production. So. So, yeah, so that was the first one, so that that was so you it's like an artisanal sourdough product in a tin, so you get uh consistent slices so it's very easily to use because some of the artisanal products at the minute are they are round mm-hmm. and then you get smaller sh- slices at the end and then bigger slices in the middle so so they were the first ranges uh the first products in the range that we did, following on from that then uh. The success of the brand has has progressed and we've got it into more supermarkets. And now we've uh, released, uh, just launched what we're kind of classing as our everyday range, which is like a bridge between pure artisanal and plant bread. So you've got like this in between product uh, that is very much uh, user friendly for literally everything. And even things like making your children's sandwiches for the packed lunches uh, it's just creating a healthier bread to what we uh, to normal standard breads so so yeah, so that's that's kind of the range at the minute, so yeah, it's going quite well, so
0: when you first developed the range and you took it to supermarket buyers for the first time, what was their attitude like? What were they seeing in their bread category? what was working, what wasn't working, what was their sort of hope for a brand like yours to be able to do
1: i think one of the other industries that we used to pitch for our sourdough brand was basically artisanal craft beer that interesting that is just boomed in the last three four five years years ago in the supermarkets if if you went into a supermarket they had the standard uh lagers bitters uh that they all did but all of a sudden there was all these pop-up breweries that were producing fantastic new up-and-coming guest beers, artisanal beers, pale ales. um, And and that, that created like uh, more theater for the supermarkets. So what, what we said is when we went into there, we, we'd done a research, we'd done a work, we'd we'd created the brand. We were, uh, we wanted to be strikingly different with our packaging. The packaging is, is very vibrant, pastel colours, quite very modern, on trend. Uh, they even use my glasses. I love glasses and I've got a few quirky glasses shapes. So we even put that onto the packaging to almost bring it, make it real life. Yeah. So, so when we went into the supermarkets, we referenced the craft beer and we felt that they have their bought-in products on the shelf they have their in-store bakeries. And we felt that there was a a big section that was missing and then referenced the artisanal beer. And what we wanted to do is create bread uh, to try and create this unique space where we can create something different. Um, And yeah, it, it it was well received. Some supermarkets, they all said they were interested, but then there was only one or two that actually followed it through. But what's actually happened is now we've launched with them. The first one that we launched with was Marks and Spencers. Mm. Um, and I think then other people have seen our launch and seen the awards that we've won. So so it's quite interesting now. A lot more supermarkets now are coming on board and, and they've contacted us sometimes, which is lovely to hear them coming to us yeah, while, totally. rather than us all going to the supermarkets. So.
0: Yeah. And and I think your point about your packaging is really well made, because as you say, it's really bold. It looks very different to the more traditional bread brands we might be used to in in the supermarket. Did you find that you needed to not just modernize the look and feel of bread, but also make things like sourdough a little bit more accessible? Because not everyone necessarily understands what sourdough is or what the taste might be like.
1: Yeah, no, one hundred percent right. So I actually think sometimes the word sour dough actually mm. puts people off because they think, oh, sour. I, yeah, that's not for me. So, so it it, it is about making it more accessible um, because not everybody uh, has a artisanal baker close to them, um, and it's about looking at trends out in the market that the artisanal bakers uh, produce and. Now there's artisanal bakers popping up everywhere and it's fantastic. It's fantastic for the in- industry. Uh, and also we find a lot of inspiration from some smaller artisanal bakers as well. Years ago, you used to have to pretty much travel out of England to go and see what's up and coming in sourdough, but now you don't have to. There's artisanal bakers everywhere, so which is really important. So getting back to the packaging, yeah, the packaging was... Important to us, Um, the brand was about trying to be modern, trying to be this new up-and-coming brand into the sector. Um, We wanted vibrant colours. We also wanted reference our tradition because we are a business that's over 100 years old, so we didn't want to lose that. So it's Mm. kind of a blend of keeping the tradition about the story of the business but then modernising it with the colours with the names, The Great White, Majestic. We've not just called it a malted sourdough. It's a little bit quirky. We have some fun in there. Uh, and, and it creates a personality for the brand, which is which is really nice. And yeah, it, it seems to be working.
0: Fantastic. Now I want to bring you onto your articles in a second. And I think they'll allow us actually to continue talking about some of the themes you've already touched on. But before we start talking about your first article, tell me a little bit about your reading habits. What publications do you read, and what types of stories typically attract your attention?
1: Yeah, so related into the industry. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So look, we we're we signed up to the British Baker magazines. Uh, I, I can remember when I first started. Uh, baking years ago and there was always a british bakery magazine on my dad's desk so which updates you with what's happening new products new equipment so british bakery grocer uh online um and again i've touched on it earlier a lot of the inspiration is 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 out in the shops and seeing people and and fashion magazines food trends all of that type of thing is uh, is is massive in in keeping updated with with what's happening and people as well contacts within the industry talking to uh, suppliers uh, other bakers knowing what other people are doing and that it's even though everyone's competing against each other it, it we are all bakers so there is a close knit feel within the industry as well which is nice uh, and there's you develop a lot of friendships within the industry but yeah magazines basically uh, online stuff like that so
0: Now, the first article you picked is indeed from the Gracer, and the headline is Wheat prices at nine-year high as bakers warn of price increases. So this is news that global wheat prices have been rising and are expected to keep rising as a result of strong demand and tight supply. And the article quotes figures and analysis from AHDB saying UK wheat prices are essentially following global trends here. And there's also a quote in there from the Federation of Bakers, which says the bakery sector is, of course, also facing a variety of other pressures, including higher energy prices and a shortage of HDV drivers. Jason, why did you pick this article? What stood out to you?
1: It's, it's just a very, very, very hot topic uh, in, within our business and within the industry, We've, um, I've already been in probably a couple of meetings this morning and 25, 30% of, of, of that meeting was talking about all the rising costs that we're facing at the minute, starting from flour, which is our biggest ingredient in mo- making a loaf of a bread, uh, depending on the recipe, it equates to around about 60% of the cost of, uh, of the ingredients that go into the loaf of bread. So as you say, flour um, this time last year is up 27%. Uh, it's rising all the while. Uh, I can remember doing deals on flour approximately like five years ago and actual bought in flour into us because there's many price segments of, of, of making flour. But the price of flour from five years ago it, at the current time is actually doubled uh, wow. in the space of five years and when you think about that, it's the main ingredient in making a loaf of bread, and that's doubled, it creates issues, it creates, it creates problems, um, coupled with um, gas and electricity costs at the minute, uh, people have, yeah, everybody's not seen anything like it, it huge, huge increases, um, staffing levels is very, very difficult at the minute, and um, Trying to get staff into the business is, again, is a really, really hot topic. HGV drivers, shortage of that. What that does, it, the demand shortens. The demand is a lot less, so it drives prices up. Uh, wage increases uh, are, are, are quite considerably higher. We had to put a, through a, uh, a, a another wage increase last year because of pressure from blue-chip companies who have got multi-millions, billions of pounds behind them that, that that they are inflating their prices that they're paying people, which is which is good for the workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're actually finding is, is people are now moving businesses. They're chasing money. Uh, people are offering signing on fees. Uh, it, it's just I've never seen anything like it in my life. I've been in this industry working for 40, 38, 40 years. And, yeah, it, it's the most difficult time I've ever seen on on rising costs. So yeah, it's tough at the minute. That's why I, I chose this topic because it's it's here and now and, it, and it, it's happening day to day. So.
0: Absolutely. And of course, as you will know, it's pretty much an issue in every food, part of the food industry at the moment and beyond as well. Yeah. What are you doing to try and mitigate some of these pressures? I mean, you talked about putting up wages. Yes, of course, but there's a limit to how much you can do that what what are some of the strategies that you're using to try and cope with some of these yeah it's
1: obviously what will have to happen is price uh, consumers will will end up paying more for for the product because the industry uh, and as you rightly said it's not just the bread industry it's it's all types of food they cannot absorb this amount of cost and the things that we do then on the business is it's all about efficiencies all about investing uh, in, in, in equipment that enable us to, to run products more efficiently, uh, to try and reduce that uh, that the cost down of actually making these products. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's just very, very tough at this minute. It's yeah, uh, it's it's just happening every minute, every day. Things are changing so.
0: Totally. What are buyers like at the moment um, when you're having conversations about potentially passing on some of the costs? Always a, a tough conversation to have. That no, either no, no supplier and definitely no retail buyer, buyer wants to have, but it clearly no, is happening. Because,
1: yeah, they're they're in the same situation that obviously they've got all their supplies coming to them. So it, we use partnership uh, the word partnership in our relationship with our uh, our customers quite a bit. So so. Hopefully we've we've built long established relationships up with them. Uh, and, and it's just about explaining the situation. And we are very upfront with our with our business model of costs. So we actually share quite a lot of the cost and that. And it, it, it is tough, but I think some of the issues with the supermarkets are obviously we know all we know all the supermarkets that are out there. And they're all trying to hold prices because they want to be competitive. And it's almost who's the brave one that goes first to say enough's enough. We can't keep taking the increases from our supplies of products. So we have to put the prices up. We are starting to see that. So things should start moving soon in the next month or so. We are, we are in talks with our uh, customers at the minute. Uh, And, yeah, hopefully it's moving in the right direction. So, But normally they are supported um, because it's about keeping a long-term relationship of suppliers of products into the supermarkets. It's not easy. You can't just go out and and pick and choose who you want to supply with. So, yeah, so it's not easy. But, yeah, if you have an understanding supermarket uh, and they trust what you're doing is, for the correct reasons, uh, then yeah, normally you can work through it and, and and get a positive result in the end.
0: Yeah. What do you think the impact will be on consumers' perceptions of bread and their willingness to trade up to uh, more premium breads like yours? Because bread is one of those categories where people really notice when prices uh, go up. Are you finding that because you are already a, a more premium product that people are generally quite happy to Pay a higher price or are you concerned that higher prices might discourage people from making that trade up to a better bread
1: yeah i think yeah the arena that we're playing is it is uh, yeah the cost of our products is are more than standard products because it's it's the nature of the process so i i think majority of the people that buy bread bread is still a cheap product to buy if, if you actually think about foods that people go out and buy a ready meal for four or five pounds Uh, and it lasts on an evening meal. Mm. A loaf of bread, uh, our bread costs 160, 170, 180, up to about just under two pound. If you think the multitude of usages and how long a loaf of bread lasts for, uh, it can last for two or three breakfasts, two or three uh, lunches, uh, pack-ups, evening meals. So one pound 80 over two or three days, four days, bread is still fantastic value for money and the different types of products that you can make from bread as I've already touched upon it it, it's endless Uh, so based against other foods still good value for money I I think majority of people appreciate that but there will come a point where you can't push the price too far uh, where people may trade down and go well actually yeah I've got a limit because yeah I've got a budget on food. I, I spend normally 160, 180 on a loaf of bread. So uh it's my bread's gone up 5p, 10p, 15p now. So actually I'm gonna to have to trade down and actually fit a product into to my price point. So so yeah, it is concerning. It, it is concerning, but I'd like to think a lot of people that buy the types of sourdough appreciate the the time it takes to make and the quality of ingredients in there. So so fingers crossed, people still appreciate that it's great value for money.
0: Now, I'll bring you on to your second article, and this one is from British Baker, and the headline is, Craft Bakery has been resilient and tenacious. This is an opinion piece written by Karen Deere, Director of Operations at the Craft Bakers Association, and she basically looks ahead to 2022 and makes a few predictions about what's next for craft bakers whole range of uh, issues covered in there, including some new labelling requirements following Natasha's law. But she also raises one particularly interesting point about the continued growth in speciality and healthy bread as consumers become more aware of and interested in different types of bread. Jason, I wondered what specific trends you expect to play out in the bread category in 2022. What's on your radar at the moment?
1: I think a big thing for us is health um, and gut health in particular. Yeah. Um, Bread uh, can sometimes get uh, bad publicity that uh, people eat a lot of bread. They can get stomach problems, bloating, uh, and, and, bread's not, and 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 they get the conception that bread's actually not very good for you. Um, obviously, there's also celiacs. There's people out there with celiacs. Now, the people that have got celiacs, fair enough, obviously they've got the gluten intolerance, but I think there is also a lot of people that jump on the bandwagon and believe they have got a, a celiac problem, but it, it's not actually a celiac problem. Not all cases, but a lot of the time it's, it's high yeast levels that people struggle to digest. The digestive system can only digest so much uh, yeast levels in the product. And I, I've had a few occasions where people have spoken to me and said, oh yeah, I can't eat bread because uh, yeah, I get cramping, I get stomach problems. And I asked them the type of bread that um, that they eat. And, and it's pretty much the Chorley Wood bread mm-hmm. process that has got a high amount of uh, yeast in there. And I say to them, oh, uh, give me a day so, let's meet back up. I'll give you a loaf of br- a bread. Please try it and let me know what you think. Uh, I've done this a couple of times and they've come back and they go, oh, wow, didn't get any stomach problems. And then I actually explain to them that it's, it's to do with how bread is made, the digestive system of how it copes with fast made bread to bread made in a proper way uh, 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 taking hours to actually make so so that's really interesting I think um, I think people the public need to be educated on this to to try and understand the reasons behind it Uh, so that's that's a big big uh, topic for us to be exploring for 22 and then on the basis of that it's about adding in ingredients uh grains uh exciting the product up as i said the twisted range uh, that we're doing it's just creating something a little bit different uh it's about seeds it's about nutrition all of that type of thing and even down to the seeds when seeds are actually really quite firm so when you put them in a dough uh quite often they pass through the digestive system as you've eaten them Mm. but What we've done, we've actually started soaking seeds in sourdough culture and some warm water which softens the seeds up. And it actually helps release the nutrients out into the bread. Uh, So big focus for us is is on health, uh, creating something different, but focusing on letting people eat bread that is very healthy and nutritional for them, uh, which benefits their digestive system as well.
0: And I was interested to see you do have a breads of the world sort of subsection in um, as part of the the Jason's brand as well. You said earlier that now, you know, here in the UK, there are some fantastic uh, craft bakers. You can get lots of inspiration um, for trends right here on your doorstep now. But which international markets do you always keep an eye on? Who's doing really interesting stuff in craft bakery globally?
1: yeah I think uh, over the years, I think Mediterranean has been really quite strong, but Far East now is becoming really quite big. Uh, Japan, uh, they're doing some really, really, really interesting types of products, uh, which yeah w- we keep an eye on them and, and looking at developing some uh, some trends there. Um, you have BayO buns out in the market, which we, we don't make them types of product, but but they're very interesting um uh, really really nice products it's also then about looking at restaurants uh what they're developing fashion's really important my wife she is constantly uh she buys all the magazines all the food magazines fashion magazines and she quite often says oh have you seen this or have you seen that so so yeah the world is your there is a lot in the uk and there is um but in the uk food now you can get any type of food in the yes. uk it's crazy. Years ago, it was uh, it was basic English food, pie and mash, fish and chips. Uh, then curry food came in, Chinese. But it's just it's endless now. So uh, so the inspiration out there it's it's in abundance. Obviously, you've got the internet as well, which is uh, huge. TikTok, Instagram, people posting. There's yeah on Instagram. There's cooking. Um, programs on there and they show you how to make things out of it it's just crazy it's it's the world is moving so fast and it it is very difficult to keep up with sometimes so so the inspiration is rightly comes from all over the world
0: absolutely and as you say there's so much inspiration potentially it must be quite hard sometimes to see the wood for the trees and say, actually, out of all the bits that are really exciting and shiny and, and super exciting, here's the one thing that I think is scalable and is going to work for the UK consumer.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is. But, but you still have to make the product work. Yeah. You can't go too crazy. And, and when you're making and developing products, if, if you make a product that is very polarised in what it is, Yeah, that's a specific product. Uh, Like the twisted range, we looked at a charcoal product as well, uh, which there's some good press with it and some bad press with it. So, but we we try to play it safe with uh, a more user-friendly product. So, so even though there is so much different inspiration out there, you still also have to think about it is bread. What is it being used for? It's being used for breakfast. It's being used for sandwiches. So you can't go really, really crazy. Yeah
0: totally there was a point you raised earlier that i thought was was super interesting you talked about how um we just don't think enough of the actual bread we we think of it as a as a carrier as a vehicle for for you know exciting filling and that you really want to change that what's your strategy for getting people to pay more attention to the bread and not just see it as a vehicle for for the more exciting filling
1: yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think um, our, we, obviously, we've got a sales and marketing director, and, and we work very, very closely with that. So, so if you think about a sandwich, the bread is the main part of the sandwich. It is the carrier. The ingredients that you put into a sandwich is it sits in between these two pieces of bread, and you have to tailor the bread to, to, to make the sandwich. We've, we've supplied sandwich people in the, in the past at making sandwiches. And a lot of the time when we were going in speaking to them, how you bake your bread, because you can have products that have wet fillings, you can have tuna mixes, you can then have a product that's got like a, a Cheshire cheese in, which is really, really dry. And how can one piece of bread be able to take a really wet filling and a really dry filling? So you have to balance the bread to be able to complement the fillings in there. Um, and that then leads on to just like everyday people's perception of, of, of what the bread is about, what you eat it with, with your meals, uh, pasta, different things. It, yeah, it, it, it's endless. But uh, yeah, it, a big crusade of revolutionising bread for what it stands for. and And actually, bread has been around since... The Bible was first produced. It's been it's referenced there years and years ago. So it's one of the oldest food products in the world. Uh, and for too long, supermarkets have used bread, milk, and eggs as as the staple product. Uh, and it's like the lost leader into supermarkets. So it's a, just about understanding and getting over to people that hey, look, you can get fantastic bread out there. And actually, if it's made in in the right way, in the correct way, it enhances your food uh, tenfold. It's, yeah, you shouldn't forget about bread.
0: Super. Now the final article is one I have picked and it's from the New York Times. And the headline is, How to Make Really Good Bread. This is also an opinion article. Uh, It's by an American baker, and it's very much a US-focused take on the market. But I was really keen to get your UK perspective on this. So in the article, the author essentially says, bread in the US has come a long way. Consumers have really embraced more artisanal, typically more European styles of bread, ciabatta, focaccia, brioche, baguettes. But these are all still types of white bread made with refined flour and his argument is is if we really want to change people's relationship with bread if we want them to eat healthier more nutritious breads we need to encourage them to switch to more whole grain bread and now as I said this is obviously focused on on the US but this feels like a debate that's very much alive here as well what did you make of the article and that argument saying we need to be pushing more whole grain
1: I agree with the article and I also disagree with the article. So I, I, I flour is really, really important in, in, in making bread. And, and when you start using whole meals and whole grains and all stuff like that, yeah, it is more healthy for you. The whole whole meal is the whole of the meal, it's the whole of the grain, so you get all the nutrients in there. And there's loads of different types of flour. You get rye flour, you get spelt flour. Also, there is some fantastic white flowers out there that are organic. There's different ways you can make white flour. Um, there's some fantastic organic uh, millers out there that make the flour very pure. When I say pure, uh, nothing's really added, it's how flour used to be made. So it, it, it's really interesting what flowers can bring, but there's no denying when you start adding grains and seeds in there it does make it more interesting it does lift the product uh, and yeah it, 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 it makes it more flavoursome so yeah it, it, it's interesting so baking bread at home has become quite big recently mm-hmm. uh, I, and I, I think it's quite interesting to touch on that that I think sourdough has been doing really well then the pandemic struck uh, everybody's stuck at home and they're working from home, but you, you create a little bit more time. And people start baking at home. Um, it, it, it is very therapeutic. Uh, and during the lockdown, I was actually making some videos for people. I've actually shown them how to make it. And it's not complicated because the article that you chose, it referenced about baking in at home as well, and people enjoying that as well. Um, so, so so that's quite interesting. And I think people have shot more local as well uh and gone to like local artisanal bakers so that kind of gets them interested uh, and, and that then gets them exploring baking at home what they're doing uh, and, and once you get the base concept of, of of making the products it's then about adding like the whole grains and the, the nuts the seeds all of these types of uh things but yeah it, it's it's an interesting article it, it's interesting how different countries have different perspectives but what I would disagree on that article mm. is a loaf of bread that's made with of a white flour is not a good loaf of bread. That's yeah. that's not true. It's what you do with it. It's it's the type of flour that you choose and then what you do with it that makes it a really nice, wholesome loaf.
0: Got it. Now, that makes a lot of sense. From a, a, a sort of bakery perspective, uh, what are the challenges around using whole grain? Is, is it more expensive? Is it... Uh, does it require different techniques? Does it take longer, or is it primarily about consumer expectations and, and acceptance? Do do people just generally prefer products made with white flour?
1: Yeah, when when you when you start with a white flour and you look at the, the cost of that, any addition that you have, uh, whether it's seeds, grains, wholemeal, it is more expensive. Um, it, it, it's a different product. There's more uh, bits and seeds and nutrition in there so the cost is more expensive actually using that type of flour you do have to change your methods uh you do have to change your ingredients your base ingredients if you imagine when you start adding seeds into a dough a normal loaf of bread which is a normal standard white loaf of bread doesn't have anything in in the actual crumb of the loaf of bread once you start adding grain and malts and seeds and things like that that actually can weaken the strength of the dough. So you have to add some ingredients in there, change the process, mix the dough a little bit longer, ferment the dough a little bit longer to help the dough bind them ingredients in there. Gluten is is the number one most important thing when you're making bread, that you're developing the gluten structure, which enables the natural yeast Uh, and baker's yeast to produce and it captures like a pocket system which enables the loaf of bread to prove up so if you don't get the, the mixing the development of the gluten right you will have problems but when you then add seeds and grains that just changes that concept slightly you just have to mix it a little bit different a little bit longer and you change the process slightly so
0: Got it. Now, Jason, we are nearly out of time, but before I let you go, can you just give us a little bit of a sense of what we can expect from you and your brand in 2022 without giving away your NPD pipeline or specific plans? But just give us a flavor of, of what your priorities are for the next 12 months. Yeah, so
1: it, it, it's about getting the brand out there a lot more than what we are. We're, we're starting to get. Uh, a lot of supermarkets on board so if you actually look at how many super stores that we're in now we're we're well over a thousand supermarket uh, store wow. uh, which if you think we only started like 12 14 months ago which is is something that uh, the team at jason sourdough is really really proud of uh, and it is a massive team effort uh we we're, we're like one big family so it's it's about more excitement. And bringing the brand uh, out further we, we've just actually done a uh, well it's still running at the minute actually TV advertising as well okay uh, I, I don't know whether you've seen that or I
0: haven't but now I'm gonna yeah, I, I'm uh, assuming I'll find it on YouTube yeah, Is that so your, yeah, on was YouTube, that your first TV campaign yeah, it's
1: the first TV campaign so I'm gonna be honest if someone had said to me three four years ago, uh yeah 2021 you, you'll have an advert on tv i'd have said oh, you, you've been on you've been drinking dance not, <laughs> not but uh but yeah it's something that we've done so it's about when you start in a brand up, it's about getting the name out there and it's very difficult just to put a product on the shelf and just hope somebody's going to pick it up you can have a great product uh, but if you can't get people to pick it up, it, it's very difficult. You have to build that momentum, get the traction going. So, so with a marketing sales and marketing team, we've, we've done a lot of um, promotions work. We've done a lot of advertising, TV advertising, YouTube, Instagram, uh, and, and yeah, really pushing it out there. And again, trying to change people's conception of what bread coupled with some new exciting stuff. So we've probably got 12 or 15 products already banked that we've been working on, developed on, but it's about building, especially linked with the climate at the minute. It's about taking the range that we've got, maximizing the range that we've got, and then we can look at adding in some new exciting lines uh, midway through 22, back end of 22. So, So exciting times ahead.
0: Fantastic. It sounds like it. Jason, if people want to connect with you after listening to this or find out more about the brand, what's the best way to do that? Where can they find you? Yeah, if
1: you go into Jason's uh, Sourdough on there, there's a getting touch page there. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, so yeah, just DM that, uh, messages. Yeah. So all the usual means and channels.
0: Fantastic. Jason, thank you so much for being my guest.
1: Thank you very much. It's been really enjoyable.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and found it useful. If you did, please consider giving The Picklist a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening and leave a review. It tells me you're enjoying the show and would like it to continue, and it helps me reach more listeners. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn at juliaglotz.com and on thepicklist.co.uk. And if you'd like more thought-provoking reads for your personal reading list, please subscribe to The Trim, my free weekly newsletter at juliaglots.com forward slash newsletter. See you
1: next time.